All right, we are live back again on the Fantasy Kingdom show. What's up, YouTube? We're live over on YouTube. Going to be posting the recording, as always, on the Spotify following. But uh, we had an exciting week five. Lots of points scored, unless you were a Detroit Lion, in which case you had no points scored. Um, and then if you're the Raiders heading into your bye week, you're kind of a little, feel a little bit shaky after uh, losing that uh, close game to the Chiefs and then potentially losing Devontae Adams for an additional game beyond your bye week because some ca cameraman decided he wanted to run right in front of him. But, I mean, that's just kind of the Raiders' curse, it seems. No, it doesn't matter who, who it is. No one's safe uh, <laughs> from, from some ill-advised actions when you're playing on the Raiders. But I digress. Only hurts me a little bit on the inside knowing that I might not have Adams on some of my teams but it is what it is it's part of the game but uh gonna be looking at back at the week five recap just kind of going over uh what happened on the Monday night game and going over all there were a ton of fantasy relevant injuries that there's a lot of fallout for uh waivers have already run for almost every league out there so hopefully you got your guys and uh let's jump right in uh, so going back to the Monday night football recap, it was the fun high scoring game that we expected. It hit the over. Uh, the Raiders jumped out on top of the Chiefs at first. It looked like it was going to be a bit of a, a, a shocker, uh, but you know, it does not matter what you do. You cannot run away with a game from Patrick Mahomes. He can come back in any situation. And also the Raiders are just proving a point that I've been saying for every you cannot beat Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs if you're settling for field goals. I know that they they were in some long fourth downs where going for it isn't the option, but I feel like the play calling leading up to some of those fourth downs was a little bit passive and you just can't you can't play any any part of your game passively when you're when you're up against Mahomes and Monday night proved it. Uh, Kansas City comes back and absolutely just takes over in the second half, and uh, that's that's a done deal. Uh, but looking into the fantasy uh, aspect of it, uh, on the Raiders' side, Josh Jacobs is absolutely elite. Another one of my misses from the offseason. I wasn't sure what the uh, running back opportunity bre uh, breakdown was going to be with them drafting Zamir White, uh, bringing in Brandon Bolden. Uh, Kenyon Drake was there at the beginning of the season. It was just a very crowded running back room and they declined Jacobs fifth year option so we weren't even sure if Jacobs was going to be on the team to start the season and then of course as soon as the season starts it's nothing but Jacobs and that continued here in week five uh 87 percent opportunity share and it's not just the carries he also had five targets which was number two on the team an 18.5 percent target share only behind Devontae Adams um Speaking of Adams, he had the number one uh, target share on the team, 25%. Uh, but it, it was a little bit of a low-volume pass attack from the Raiders, which is kind of why I'm saying they were a little bit passive in their, uh, in their play calling because he uh, Adams only had, I believe, what was it, nine, eight targets, something around that. So tied for his season low, um, which is also strange because Waller left the game six snaps in. So you would think no Waller would mean that Carr is going to be looking at Adams, 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 but uh, it was a lot of running and a lot of dump offs to, to Jacobs to accompany that. Uh, he still did, Adams still did per, uh, go ahead and give you the 
the big boom week. He had two deep, deep touchdowns. Um, one at the beginning of the game, one towards the end. So after the one big one in the beginning, you're, you're kind of just sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting and uh, not much going on to Adams. And then at the very end, he, he went ahead and delivered another bomb. So it's nice. But again, like I said, they're heading into their bye week in week six. So you're without Adams then. And then there's that possible suspension looming uh, for shoving the camera worker. Uh, he did receive, uh, he did get charged with uh, a misdemeanor assault. So we're going to see how the NFL wants to handle that, but it's not looking great right now. It could just be a fine. It could be a, a one-game suspension. We don't really know uh, what's going what, what's gonna to happen there. Um, Darren Waller, as I said earlier, he left the game after six snaps. So he left the game injured. Uh, Foster Moreau was inactive with an injury, so there was kind of just this void here, but there was also the combination of Hunter Renfro and Matt Collins to kind of step up uh, and and fill in that target share. Um, if Waller is hurt because it was that hamstring injury that was lingering and uh, was accompanying the, the the contract holdout uh, that was holding him out of the uh, in in camp, so if that's a lingering issue and it becomes this weekly nuisance where he might not be he might not even be ready to go week seven following the bye. Uh, and if Foster Moreau is back, I, I, I would say Moreau is absolutely a priority add at the tight end position. He is a super athletic uh, tight end. He's a younger guy, so you, it, we all know it takes a while for tight ends to to kind of come on. And he's been working behind Waller, so he hasn't really had all the opportunity. But uh, if Waller goes down and how gross the, the tight end landscape has been, it, I, I think it's worth a shot to go after Foster Moreau. Um Renfro was only in on about 55% of the snaps, uh, but he also uh, was tied with Matt Collins for uh, 15% of the target share apiece, uh, four targets apiece. So with Adams having the bulk of the target share around his 30% that he always gets, um, it, it's just a little bit tougher for Renfro to deliver volume games. He's going to have to do it on efficiency and touchdowns, and we just haven't seen it this year. Uh, and he's cost the, the team multiple games now, at, at least two games. He had the one game where he had the concussion and the fumbles. He was out for two weeks, and then in this game, he completely tackled and ran into Devontae Adams on uh, the fourth down at the end of the game to to try and bring uh, Las Vegas back into field goal uh, position. So it's been a little bit of a rough year for Renfro so far, um, but I think both him and uh, Matt Collins are f uh, flex options if uh, if Waller can't go in week seven. Um, and flipping over to the Chiefs side, excuse me, uh, Travis Kelsey is that dude. Uh, he Four touchdowns from Mahomes this week. All four of them to Travis Kelsey. He only finished with like 26 yards, but that's all he needed to go ahead and score four touchdowns. Uh, in the red zone, it was it was Kelsey and, and Kelsey only. Uh, CEH looked like he was going to score on one, didn't quite make it in, and then it was just Kelsey, 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 Kelsey. So if you drafted Kelsey at the end of the first round, early second round, congratulations, you absolutely fucking killed it. That was the pick. That was the way to go. Um, looking at the running backs, we saw zero uh, Pacheco this week, which is interesting. It just kind of seems to be this thing where 
in games where they're trailing, Pacheco doesn't really get in, but games where they're winning, they want to see what he looks like. Uh, it, it was strange that there was zero uh, snaps in there. I'm not sure what happened. I'm not sure what's going on. But CEH still wasn't the, the number one back in terms of snaps. Uh, Jarek McKinnon was in for 55% of the snaps, and uh, Edwards Alaire was only in for about 45%. Uh, McKinnon definitely looked better on the night. Um, CEH only had nine carries for 15 yards, and then three catches for 20 more. Uh, so he it was not a it was not a very good night. It wasn't efficient. He didn't get the touchdowns. So those touchdowns are kind of what's been carrying him all season, and he didn't get it. And this is the result of what happens when he's not scoring two touchdowns a game. Um, I don't really want anyone in this backfield right now unless someone gets injured and there's an opening. Uh, otherwise, you're just playing the guessing game of who's going to catch the touchdown, who's going to run the touchdown in. And lately, it's been CEH. McKinnon's got a couple sprinkled in there, so it really, it's just an absolute guessing game that I'm not trying to play. Um, and if you had CEH and you didn't sell, you may have missed your window there. Uh, so you kind of got to live with that if you didn't if you didn't sell and try and trade him for anything after he, he just was flying high with a 20-something percent touchdown rate. Um, moving on to the wide receivers, another kind of just ugly room of, of players that aren't really doing much com- like in the the context of fantasy even though the offense is thriving um juju and marquez Valdez scantling were the only two wide receivers to have over a 50 percent snap share uh they both tied for eight targets to lead the team but it, it does seem like uh mvs is kind of looking like the number one wide receiver in this offense it does look like mahomes is looking his way and he's actually starting to deliver um mvs went six for 90 this week uh, and he's also running the more uh, high-scoring routes. Uh, he's got a, an ADOT of 10.6, while Juju is, uh, was sitting at 7.5 for this game. Uh, right now, I think if you need to flex a Kansas City wide receiver, it's got to be MVS. Uh, like, neither of them are really separating in terms of targets, so that's why I'm not saying it's an absolute smash. You can start and hope for uh, either one. Um, but until one of them kind of just takes the lead and takes the mantle of uh, wide receiver one in this offense, it's pretty much going to be Mahomes and Kelsey, and that's all I want uh, from a weekly uh, starter standpoint. So that was the Monday night football game. Exciting game. Unfortunately, it, it's leading right into a Thursday night football game that uh, shapes up to be the complete opposite. We get Washington versus Chicago tomorrow, so yay, uh, football. <laughs> um, but... Looking ahead into week six, there were a ton of injuries that happened in week five that really just opened up the door of opportunity for so many different players. And uh, these offenses are going to be needing to find new ways to work uh, work some backups in and just kind of uh, fill the void uh, that the injuries left behind. Number one, the one that everyone's been talking about, the one that everyone is going to talk about, Rashad Penny breaking his leg. Uh, hopefully you had already stashed Ken Walker. Hopefully if he was out there, you spent all your fab to get him. You burned your number one waiver priority and you were able to go ahead and secure him uh, on your team because he is going to a smash. This offense has been uh, explosive way more than anyone could have expected. Uh, Ken Walker was the best pure runner in college football last season. He uh, number 
two running back in this year's uh, rookie running back class, and it 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 just it's it's a very good spot for him to be in right now. And the whole argument against drafting Penny this season was he was going to have Ken Walker right behind him, waiting to go second round rookie pick. Uh, Penny got some time bought with the the hernia injury and the hamstring injury, but uh, with Penny being done for the year, it just opens everything wide, wide, wide open for Ken Walker to just step in and be an absolute workhorse back. Uh, he's before Penny went down, he was running routes, he was getting targets. It was uh, it was a bit surprising to see how much he was being used in the passing game and how much they were kind of trying to use the two backs at the same time. And if that's any indication of the trust they have in him, it's just wheels all the way up. Um, DJ Dallas is a decent stash as a satellite back. Um, as I said before, right before the season, Walker missed week one with uh, recovering from hernia surgery um, that he was going through at the end, at the tail end of camp. So uh, he, he has been dealing with some injuries. So DJ Dallas is a good stash just in case anything does happen to Walker. He's the last guy left. He's the last guy that knows this offense. Whoever else would be someone brought in from another team. Uh, so you would get a, at least a couple weeks of uh, DJ Dallas if anything happens. But for now, Walker is that dude. Walker is that guy. If you didn't spend all your fab to go get him, shame on you. Uh, you're gonna feel you're gonna feel real real silly for that in the near future. But uh, it's exciting for for Walker, the rookie, to to get this opportunity. Unfortunate that it comes uh, on such a bad injury for Penny, but that's just that's the game that uh, that's the game that the uh, NFL players play. All right, um, another running back, a pair of running backs actually that uh, left the game and did not return in Week Five: James Conner and Daryl Williams for the Arizona uh, Cardinals. Both left, which means it is Eno Benjamin season. Uh, he is another guy that hopefully you had stashed on your team. If not, uh, you wouldn't have had to spend all of your fab to get him, uh, just because with Kenneth Walker. Uh, being a, a premier guy, you know, was in the in the league last year. He had a pretty quiet season, um, but this year he's been working in in that l- lesser Chase Edmonds role uh, behind Connor, and uh, he's just looked very efficient. He's looked very smooth. He's been getting passing work. He's the type of guy that has the skill set and the ability to be a three down back, which is what he may have to step into here because. Uh, I saw today Arizona signed Corey Clement and uh, Tyson Williams. So those are two lesser kind of grinder guys that are most likely going to fill in for the James Conner role. But I don't think they're going to give those two guys fresh off the practice squad from Baltimore or wherever they came from. I don't think they're going to give those two guys the Conner share. So I think they're just going to be breather backs for Eno who is going to be the James Conner role and the Eno role baked into one. It's it's going to be something, and this is the perfect game in Week 6 coming up against Seattle for it, uh, us to see if he's got it. It's shaping up to be a high-scoring game, one of the highest on the, uh, on the slate this week. So uh, we will see how Eno looks with more, with more volume, if he can keep up those efficiency stats, and if he can go ahead and deliver in fantasy. Uh, Baker Mayfield is out for a couple of weeks with a uh, high ankle sprain, which means that P.J. Walker is up. Uh, Sam Darnold's still on the IR, so uh, P.J. Walker is there. He is a desperation super flex fill-in. 
that's pretty much all I can really say for PJ Walker. It could be a nice uptick in volume for uh, Christian McCaffrey. Um, as we've seen uh, Walker and other backups, they just lean on the the star player. So CMC is, is going to be that guy. He's going to be getting, they're going to be running the ball a lot. They're going to be dumping it off to him. So uh, the volume will be there for CMC to deliver. Hopefully he can do something with it, even though defenses will key in on him. Uh, DJ Moore could see a little bit of a boost as well, uh, but in the couple of games where PJ Walker was playing last season, the passing volume was so low that it's just it's it's tough to see anyone other than CMC really being viable in this offense anymore. Um, T Higgins is another guy that uh, left the game uh, in Week Five, uh, just kind of monitoring it because it's it's been a little bit of a nagging injury that has just. Kind of, he's been on the the injury reports. He's been on, he's been taken out of games. He's been missing series here and there. Um, so it's something where you just kind of want to keep an eye on it. You almost want him to take just like a week off so he can get some healing in. Um, but if Higgins does end up missing, uh, it means Hayden Hurst is an absolute must start. You should be starting him anyway, um, just because tight end is so gross and Hurst is one of the few guys that is getting consistent. Uh, targets, routes run, he's gotten the, the touchdowns lately, his role has just been uh, expanding. The surprising uh, part of Higgins missing so much is that Boyd has been, Tyler Boyd has been strangely quiet uh, when Higgins has left games or has not been in games. In uh, weeks one, three, and five when Higgins uh, left, left all, he left those three games early, he's only uh, gone up to a 14% target share which you would expect that number to be much higher as he would be stepping into that number two wide receiver role. And he's only got a 12% target share on the entire season. So there's not much of a difference when Higgins is in to when Higgins is out. So I think that uh, Chase is an obvious must start. He's a first round pick, so duh. But I think it's going to be Chase and Hurst that are going to be the the, the two beneficiaries uh, and Mixon as well, uh, getting a a lot of targets uh, out of the backfield. Uh, Dalton Schultz left and did not return uh, in week five. He wasn't really needed, so I feel like that kind of factors into it. If Dallas is going to run away with a game using their defense and running the ball 30 times between Zach and uh, Tony Pollard, there's no need to to rush uh, Schultz back out there and and try and force an issue uh, when he's recovering from a knee injury. Um, With this... It, like I said, they were they were very low low passing volume. Uh, Dallas was this week. Um, I I do think that it if Schultz does end up missing week six, it's once again. I mean, as we've seen this entire season with Cooper Rush with no Dalton Schultz, it's been CD season. Uh, he's an absurd amount of the targets. Like I think it was fifty percent this week uh, went to CD. And uh, I, I think this also, if, if Schultz misses, then Gallup benefits from that also. I, this was a kind of an anomaly game for uh, Dallas, and they're not going to be able to just run the ball uh, and, and lean on their defense going up against Philadelphia this week. So I do think that CD and Gallup are going to have very nice games uh, if Schultz misses more time. And if Schultz is gone, uh, Noah Brown stays in flex consideration. He's seen less and less targets now that Gallup is back, but he still has that connection with Cooper Rush, so uh, in deeper leagues, I still think he's a solid flex start. 
Uh, Christian Watson, another player who left week five and did not return. Not really a huge impact because he wasn't the number one in this offense anyway. Uh, if anything, it just kind of makes you a little bit more confident in uh, Dobbs and Lazard and Cobb uh, as much as you can be with how kind of gross that passing offense has been. Uh, Dobbs and Lazard are still the two running the most routes. They're still like the guys that are on, on the field the most. But uh, in week five, Rodgers just went back to, to old reliable uh, Randall Cobb. Uh, 13 targets for Cobb this week for a 33% target share. He's going to have these games, but it's just not sustainable. Green Bay's doesn't really, like, it's never really like a they win the game when they target Cobb that much because, I mean, unfortunately, Cobb's just up there in age and he can't make big plays happen. He's just kind of that that guy that Rodgers looks to when everything is uh, falling apart, when the shit hits the fan. Um, I still expect Dobbs and Lazard to be the safest bets in this passing game, but either way, I'm not very excited about anyone right now in Green Bay. Uh, Teddy Two Gloves uh, left the game with a concussion immediately. Uh, the new guy in, in Miami, Skylar Thompson, I believe is his name. I hope I got that right. Um, and with the, the newly implemented Tua rule uh, for concussion um, injuries, makes me think that Teddy is not going to be ready for week six. Uh, Tua was back out there uh, at practice this week. Uh, today so that was an exciting thing but they've already ruled Tua out for week six he's not going to play I don't believe Teddy's going to play so uh, it's a major downgrade for all of the the weapons here in in Miami I think most dirt mice uh, would have been a little bit of a beneficiary uh, of this news but he also missed practice this week so that is something that I'm monitoring it might be time for Chase Edmonds to come back uh, even though Miles Gaskin outsnapped and outtouched him, we just—I I don't know what's going on with Edmonds. I don't know what's going on with Gaskin. I don't know what's going on with Mostert. It's something to just kind of keep an eye on, and I'll be touching back on it on uh, on Friday uh, for the the look ahead. Um, moving on, though, we the last injury that I had to talk about is Chris Olave, also left with a concussion after scoring his touchdown. Uh, he missed practice today, going to keep just monitoring, see how he uh, progresses through the concussion protocol as a wide receiver compared to a quarterback. Uh, we'll see if he's able to speed through it or if they're just going to be very, very cautious with everybody. And uh, we might be without Olave for week six. Um, Michael Thomas and Landry still missing practice. So if Olave is able to play, he's a smash start. He's always been a smash start whenever uh, this season. So, uh, But if Olave does end up missing, Thomas ends up missing, Landry ends up missing, uh, Marquez Calloway and Traquan Smith have been the two guys to kind of step up in that void, but they just haven't really been able to deliver quite yet. Uh, both have had one game where they kind of popped, but not really. Uh, and in week five, it was Alvin Kamara who went ahead and was that guy that uh, Andy Dalton leaned on. Uh, and he was back to doing Alvin Kamara things. So that might be the trend moving forward if Olave, Thomas, and Landry miss. Uh, moving on into the next segment, I took a look at all of the usage uh, for the teams going team by team uh, in week five and just kind of trying to find any trends or anything interesting and just want to go ahead and share that info. So just going to, like I said, go team by team. Some of them I go in depth in. Some of them I it's just a very quick Ain't nothing. There's nothing new. There's nothing interesting. 
you got your studs, you got guys that you wouldn't imagine starting in a million years, and that's it. So uh, let's jump right in. Uh, Arizona is going to be up first, and with Arizona, I think that Rondale Moore is a very interesting uh, target if he's still out on your waiver wires. Uh, if he's still in the free agent pool, he is definitely worth a grab. He's seen over 80% of the snaps in the two weeks that he's been back, uh, over 90% route participation in weeks four and five. He's only had a 19% target share, so he hasn't really popped. That's why he might still be out on the free agent um, out in the free agent pool, but he's also been given three carries in those two weeks, so they are trying to get him the ball. They are trying to just get him worked back into this offense. Um, once Hopkins comes back, who knows really what's going to happen. I, I mean, it's it's tough to say that his target share will go up, um, but this offense could just open up a little bit more. They could start running more plays and passing the ball more once Hopkins is back because right now defenses are kind of able to just key in on pressuring Murray and uh, locking up Hollywood Brown. But uh, we will see. Hopkins comes back week seven, I believe it is. So uh, you get one more week of Rondale Moore being the wide receiver too. And I, I think he's, a, he's an excellent stream option uh, going up against Seattle this week. Uh, in Atlanta, the in a game that Atlanta trailed the entire time against Tampa Bay, it absolutely blows my mind that Drake London and Olamide Zacchaeus the number one and number two wide receivers on this team only saw 67% of the snaps uh, and only had, and London only ran a route on 68% of the dropbacks. Like it just, it blows my mind as to how Atlanta has used two high first round picks in two consecutive years on elite pass catching talent and they refused to use them. They didn't go out and get a good quarterback. They went out and they got Marcus Mariota, and they drafted Desmond Ritter out of, like, just, eh, we'll see. And they're not even starting Ritter. They're not even, like, trying to see what Ritter has. They're perfectly fine letting Mariota just hand the ball off and hand the ball off and hand the ball off and just make bad decisions. I just, I I don't understand. I, I, I truly, truly, truly have been trying to just get it, and I, I don't. I don't. It's, it, it is one of those... NFL coaching moments where the coach has a scheme that he loves that he thinks is the way to win football games and he tries to take his round hole of the offense he wants and he takes the square peg and he just keeps jamming the square peg of talent into the round hole and guess what it doesn't mesh it doesn't work why are you spending two first round picks two high first round picks on these elite talents if you're not going to use them there might be a reason that you're losing games. It's because you're not using your talent. I just, I don't know. I, that's my rant on Atlanta. It it drives me crazy to just see just a, a waste, a waste of just like trying to be too smart and trying to like, it. it's just, I'm a Lions fan. It reminds me so much of Matt Patricia coming in and wanting to implement the Patriot way uh, holding practices outside in Detroit in the middle of January in negative 10 degree weather when our game was at home in a fucking dome. It's just, it's one of those, it, like it's that moment over and over and over again. And it just, it happens time and time again where these coaches just think that their, 
they're geniuses. They're they're like they can win games because they scheme things. When you look at the successful coaches and you see Baltimore build an offense around their talent of Lamar Jackson. You see Buffalo build an offense around their talent of Josh Allen. They're not trying to make Josh Allen an under-the-center pocket passer type guy. They want their talented players to use their talents to play the best football. And it's just, I don't know. I I don't get it. I, I will never get it, but... Uh, I digress. As I said, Drake London, 68% route participation, 67% snap share. It's gross. Pitts is practicing again, supposed to be coming back possibly week six. It's not going to get any better for either of them. It's only going to get worse. Uh, hopefully we can get a blow-up game here or there from one or one or both, but I, I got no hope unless, unless a quarterback change happens or a coaching change happens. Um, Although London did only participate in 68% of the routes, he did uh, command seven targets, which was 29% uh, of the target share, but it was just, it didn't matter. Um, seven targets being almost 30% of the of the targets isn't enough. I mean, that's, that's not even 21 pass attempts there, so it's gross, it's bad. Uh, and then on the, in the running back, room uh the only running back to run a route this week was avery williams who also scored the touchdown uh and he only ran eight routes uh if el jair is uh only going to be the grinder on this bad offense his upside is severely capped uh the upside was a little bit there because prior to this uh el jair was the only running back to be running routes so the shift out of nowhere where he didn't even run a single route it's a little bit surprising. I don't fully understand, but I think I've established established in this little rant here that I don't understand anything that Arthur Smith and the Falcons are doing. Um, I'm going to take a sip. That was, whew. Good Lord. Good Lord. Oh, yeah. Let's go ahead and move on to a better offense that I actually will enjoy talking about a little bit here. Uh, Baltimore. The, uh, the passing game is incredibly consolidated, which we absolutely love to see for fantasy football. It doesn't matter who the wide receiver one is in there. If it's Bateman, Bateman is the uh, is the two, the 1B, whatever you want to call it. Uh, this week, Bateman was out, so the wide receiver one behind uh, Mark Andrews in targets was Devin Duvernay, and he looked good. He was targeted pretty often and he, he did good work with it. Duvernay is one of those surprises uh, from this from this year. He came into camp. Uh, I was excited about the fact that he was gonna like could possibly be that Hollywood Brown deep ball threat guy. Uh, he has delivered on some of that, but he's also kind of been uh, that intermediate uh, route guy as well, especially with Bateman out. He really showed that off and has been a, a pleasant surprise in this offense. Uh, Duvernay saw an 80% route participation and seven targets, good enough for 26% of the of the target share. Um, Mark Andrews, it, it's it's him and it's Kelsey. It's those two dudes at the tight end position, and that is it. I would love to see Kittle uh, try to join them, but I, I <laughs> it's Andrews, it's Kelsey. Uh, Mark Andrews is that dude. Uh, 37% target share. And he is the, like I said, him and Kelsey are the only two tight ends worth a damn in fantasy football this year. 
Um, Dobbins' usage was a little bit of a shock to me this week. He was trending in the right direction, uh, getting eased back in. Um, but we saw his snaps and opportunities drop this week. Uh, he was down to 40% uh, snap share and 47% opportunity share. Uh, it it was kind of a, a, a stranger game where it was that... Uh, I talked about it in the in the week five primer that these divisional games they kind of get bogged down they kind of become a little bit of slugfest where it's not like haymakers being thrown, uh, especially in the NFC or in the AFC North they they just always get ugly and they always aren't very kind for fantasy purposes. Um, the part that was concerning for me with Dobbins was uh, he ran 14 routes in in each of the first two games back. Uh, in weeks uh, three and four, and then here in week five, he ran zero routes. Uh, we know that he's not going to be heavily involved in the passing game, but to see 14 routes a game down to zero, that is uh, a concern. It definitely caps the ceiling. And with Gus Edwards' return kind of looming, uh, we've started to see him at practice. It, it might be a little bit more of a split than we would like to see with Dobbins here. Um Near-term outlook with Dobbins is kind of being tempered right now, but I still think uh, once he is fully recovered from the knee, once he feels more confident and the team feels more confident in his knee, uh, he will be set to smash. I mean, this offense is, is still extremely potent, and we've seen he can score two, three touchdowns a game. So be patient, hold, better times are coming. Uh, moving on to Buffalo, this this one's going to be a, a quicker, easier one because it's, it's Diggs, it's... Gabe Davis and it's Josh Allen. Um, it's it's tough to gauge the usage stats for Week Five because uh, the the backups did get in there yet again. I think that's the second or the third time that Buffalo's been up so big that they're just plugging backups in and handing the ball away to to James Cook over and over again. Um, but in this entire game, there were only thirteen running back opportunities total. Um, 11 carries and two targets, so you didn't really get to see anything from Devin Singletary, but in games where it is competitive, Singletary has been the guy uh, behind Josh Allen. Um, all This entire game, was it was Diggs, it was Gabe Davis, and it was uh, Shakir. Uh, Diggs was the only wide receiver over a 20% target share. He had 31% of the targets. I am interested to see how Isaiah McKenzie kind of fits back into this. It, immediately, I just kind of want to lean on your starting Diggs, your starting Gabe. Those are the two guys that I'm starting. I do, again, want to see how McKenzie uh, factors in. Shakir did catch a touchdown, so it'll be interesting to see who is the true number three in this offense. Um, both guys are athletic. Shakir is obviously the rookie. He's a little bit more explosive, so... Um, it will, it's something I'm keeping an eye on going into week six. Uh, Carolina, Carolina, there, there's nothing to note, uh, here. I talked about it earlier in the injuries. We got PJ Walker looking like he's going to get the start. Uh, CMC and DJ Moore are combining for 50% of the targets in week five. Um, the only little tidbit that I have would be for dynasty. Uh, Shai Smith is looking like an interesting little stash. Uh, he ran 71% of the team's routes, um, but there's zero percent chance you would catch me dead with shy smith in any of my redraft leagues even with an injury of any sort to robbie anderson dj moore i just don't care about carolina right now unless they have 
an immaculate turnaround with Matt Rule being gone, but yet to be seen. Uh, moving on to Chicago, who plays tomorrow night in the Thursday night football game. Uh, the passing volume was still low in week five, but you can see that the quality is improving. It's not looking so painful. Uh, they're still really just keeping a a very short leash with Justin Fields. They're not letting him really just play the game. They're trying to manage him and make sure that he doesn't lose the game, which I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure if my evaluation of Justin Fields is off or if, if the Bears are just being the Bears. But I, I think they just need to go ahead and, and let let the guy throw, let the kid throw. Um, this will be the week to kind of determine if Fields has any promise for this year, fantasy-wise. Uh, the rushing has been consistent. We just need more pass attempts in this offense. Um, the only player that I'm looking to start on Thursday is going to be David Montgomery. Uh, he came back in and he completely took the running back room back over from uh, Khalil Herbert. Uh, Montgomery had 80% of the running back opportunities, including all of the passing work. Uh, Herbert is just a strict handcuff while Montgomery is healthy. Uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, that's pretty much it here. I think 20% of the work to Herbert, just a couple of handful of carries. It's it's not enough to, to sustain anything. You can hold on to him as, as one of those high upside handcuffs because we saw when he's in there, when he's getting the volume, he's explosive. But for the time being, it's just not there. Uh, moving on to Cincinnati, we I went over earlier the injury notes uh, where Tyler Boyd is strangely quiet without T. Higgins and Hayden Hurst is a must-start tight end. Outside of that, you know you're starting Chase, you know you're starting Burrow, you know you're starting Mixon. Uh, Cleveland, another team where there's not much outside of the obvious. Uh, David Njogu is a weekly start at the tight end position. Um, and the only little note that I have here uh, is Donovan Peoples-Jones is a very interesting wide receiver stash. He's had a couple of games now where he has just commanded a ton of targets. Um and he just hasn't really delivered, and that's why he's kind of under the radar right now. But he's number two uh, number two on the team in terms of route participation at 88%, and he's got uh, a 20% target share on this season. So uh, that's promising. He's He looks like he is stepping into that number two uh, flanker role on the opposite side of Amari Cooper, uh, and that could be a very uh, fantasy-friendly role once... Um, once Deshaun Watson is back, we've seen Will Fuller thrive in that role. Will Fuller got paid a decent contract. He uh, he still has people stashing him in Dynasty. I'm not going to say that it's not me. Might be me. But there's people still stashing Will Fuller in Dynasty, living off of uh, two, two to three good seasons with Deshaun Watson. So... Uh, very interested in just kind of keeping an eye on uh, DPJ when uh, as Watson is is about to return. Uh, Dallas, this was kind of a weird anomaly of a game. Their defense just kind of worked the the Rams over, so they Dallas went very run heavy. Uh, Zeke was just running and running and running. Uh, he had 22 carries to Pollard's eight, but I mean Pollard looks like. He's just a million times better than Zeke right now. It's not even close in terms of the eye test, the efficiency numbers. It just doesn't matter. Like, Pollard looks better. But I don't think that we're going to see Pollard in a 
55% roll, 50%, 45% roll. I don't think we're going to see that uh, unless we get a Zeke injury, in which case Pollard is a league winner. Um, in terms of the passing game, I talked about it earlier uh, in the Dalton Schultz uh, injury news that uh, CD is the passing offense. He had a 50% target share on eight targets. Um, and Gallup had 90% route participation, only 42% snap share, so he was only in there for the passing downs. Uh, but he also had a 31% target share. So, like I said, if Schultz is out, uh, it's CD and it's Gallup are your two must-starts, and then Noah Brown is a flex option for some deeper leagues. Uh, Denver, we have to go back and remember that horrible Thursday night football game. Uh, they are using a ton of different packages and players. There were four different tight ends, five different wide receivers, and three different running ball uh, running backs that all saw snaps. Um, and not a lot of offense for <laughs> for all of that. Just like looking at all of the different numbers and just seeing just bleh. Um, Melvin Gordon is still the running back that you want to start for the time being. He had 60% of the running back opportunity share, and he led the uh, the running backs in routes run. He had 21 routes to Mike Boone's 19. So I am curi- while I am curious to see how the offense looks with Latavius Murray being active next week, uh, you have to stick with Melvin Gordon for now. Uh, in the passing game, there's nobody outside of uh, Sutton and Judy that I want to be starting while this offense is abysmal. Uh, KJ Hamler has been running over 70% of the routes the past couple of weeks, so he is an interesting guy to maybe see some boom potential if uh, Russell Wilson and uh, Hackett can go ahead and get this offense back on track. But until that time, week six, it's Sutton, it's Judy, and I'm not even feeling great about it. Uh, Moving on to Detroit, this is an absolute throwaway game in my book. just plagued by injuries, no swift, Amon Ross St. Brown on a snap count and just did not look himself, uh, Reynolds was dealing with injuries, Quintus, C- no, was it Khalif Raymond? One of Cephas or Raymond uh, was injured, so this offense just was is in shambles right now, uh, the defensive line for New England is just beastly, Matt Judon is a monster who was just on... Jared Goff's back all night or all day. It was a one o'clock game. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Um, so I think that the injuries are plaguing this team. They get the benefit of a, a week six bye. So we hope, we hope, we hope that Swift, Chark, Amon Ross, St. Brown all come back week seven, healthy, ready to go. Uh, but other than that, there's nothing of note on Detroit from week five. Um, in Green Bay, it was a little bit of a strange week. Uh, for the running backs, we had seen a very 50-50 split between Jones and Dylan. Uh, this week, Dylan was very much just a breather complementary back to Jones. Um, it was about a 70-30 split in favor of Jones, and Dylan saw zero passing work. He didn't run a single route. He was only in there for, for running plays, so a little bit strange to see them work it uh, work the offense this way. You had seen a nice complimentary, both guys working in there uh, type offense, but this week they just went they went very heavy on Aaron Jones and very light on uh, AJ Dillon. Talked about the the wide receivers earlier with uh, Christian Watson leaving. 
Uh, there's there's three wide receivers that are catching, uh, that are over seventy percent route participation, and they accounted for sixty seven percent of the the targets this week, and that was Lazard, Dobbs, and Cobb. Again, Cobb with the 13 targets leading the team. So there's not really anyone separating themselves from the pack. So it's tough to start any of them. Um, and it's not like you drafted any of them high enough. It's not like you paid too much to have them on your team. So you most likely have better options elsewhere. They, Lazard and Dobbs have the higher ceiling if you do have to start uh, any of them due to buys or injuries. Um, Lazard has an 11.9 ADOT this week, and uh, Dobbs had a 12.6 ADOT. And Dobbs has kind of been that that red zone guy, so I do feel more confident in Dobbs moving forward, but that confidence is very, very low. Um, In Houston, there's nothing noteworthy to this offense outside of Damian Pierce is a monster. He is shedding tackles. He is fighting for every yard. He He is a beast right now, and I... I wish I had more of them on my fantasy teams. Uh, in the passing game, uh, there's two guys that are splitting the targets right now, and they're splitting the routes. Like, it's it's Nico Collins and it's Brandon Cooks, and Davis Mills isn't good enough to support two fantasy viable wide receivers. He was only able to prop up Brandon Cooks last year because he only targeted Brandon Cooks. Uh, they're both sitting around. Uh, let's see. I didn't write it down. I didn't write it down. But yeah, no, Davis Mills is just, he's not, he's, he's not good enough to, uh, to, to prop up more than one fantasy option, especially if they have that, uh, Damian Pierce in the backfield to, just really be the focal point. They don't need Mills to air it out time and time again. Um, and and Pierce's even uh, has been working into the passing game as well. So it's just it's it's just not looking good for anyone outside of Pierce in this offense right now. Uh, Nico Collins has a 17% target share right now. Cooks is sitting just over 20%. So that's just not an, that's not enough in this anemic offense to. To provide you any fantasy value. Uh, looking at Indianapolis again, reaching all the way back to last Thursday, uh, Alec Pierce only had 75% of the route participation to Paris Campbell's 98% route participation, but Pierce was the number one target on the week. He had nine targets, 25% uh, target share in that uh, Colts receiving room. Uh, Campbell only had three targets. And Pittman had eight targets, so it seems as if it's uh, it's Pittman and Pierce uh, are the top two options right now, and we'll see how the offense looks uh, right now on Wednesday. Uh, JT opened up the week uh, of practice with a did not participate, so interesting to see how that happens, uh, how that plays out. He if was kind of expected that if it was a Sunday game, he would have played last week. But as he opens up this week not practicing, it's a little bit more concerning. They might be taking a little bit cautious with how bad the season is going. Uh, in that case, Deion Jackson uh, is a very interesting stash in redraft and maybe even dynasty. Um, if JT does miss another week or if he goes down, he was a great fill-in. He was being worked in on the passing game too. He had a 52% route participation and uh, commanded four targets for an 11% target share. 
Uh, and he also led the running backs, uh, the running back group of him and uh, Philip Lindsay. He had more carries with 13. So definitely a viable fill-in. Uh, it's not a great offense, but when you're looking for a fill-in off the free agent uh, pool, you just want to see volume and 17 opportunities. That's that's good volume for a guy coming off the bench. Uh, looking at Jacksonville, it does seem as if Travis Etienne is making a push for that primary back role. He's been kind of creeping and creeping and creeping, uh, and and this week he kind of made that that last push. He had the same amount of carries as James Robinson at ten, uh, and he out targeted J Rob uh, five to two uh, with a. Uh, and he was running over half of the, the team's routes where James Robinson was only running uh, a third of the team's routes. So it does seem as if uh, the pendulum is swinging back the other direction. Uh, after the strong start from Robinson, we might be seeing more ETN here. It was a very neutral game script. So it's not, you can't even say Jacksonville was down, so that's why it was ETN. Uh, it was a pretty tight game through and through. A strangely quiet game again from Christian Kirk. Uh, he was in there for 96% of the team's routes, but he only had three targets. Uh, that's two weeks in a row that he's kind of just been shut shut out after three monster weeks uh, to open the season. So uh, I'm not t- terribly worried. He's run. I mean, 96% route participation. He's gonna be in your starting lineup for fantasy. Uh, you just kind of hope that uh, that connection is still there and that uh, he's able to get back on track. Um, behind Kirk, Marvin Jones was the number two. He outsnapped Zay, uh, Zay Jones, and he led the team with 11 targets with a 25% target share. Um, Zay was coming back off of an injury, so that could have been the reason why Marvin was more involved. But if we see this kind of jockeying back and forth, it might make Zay and Marvin both uh, useless for consistent fantasy starts. If you have them on best ball teams, cool. But right now, uh, outside of Christian Kirk, uh, I'm I'm a little bit skeptical of this wide receiver room. Uh, Evan Ingram is a good tight end streaming option. He's been he's been on the field. He's been running a crazy amount of routes. He's been running those routes out of the snap at uh, one of the highest rates in the entire NFL at the tight end position, over 50%. So you love to see that. You love to see an athletic guy getting put in the slot and used to his uh, the best of his abilities. Cough, cough, Arthur Smith. Cough, cough, Kyle Pitts. Um, he did have 10 targets for a 23% target share and put up a, 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 a solid game, a solid PPR game. Uh, Kansas City, I talked about them earlier. Uh, the wide receivers can't really be trusted right now. I'm leaning MVS over Juju for the time being. Running backs, I trust no one. You're playing the touchdown roulette guessing game. Uh, and Travis Kelsey is Travis Kelsey. Zeus is Zeus. <laughs> Uh, moving on to the LA Rams, this offense is still continuing to struggle. The offensive line can't protect Stafford. Stafford's not being careful with the ball, and uh, it's it's Higby and it's Cup. Those are the two guys that he's looking to every single time, uh, and that's all that I'm looking to for fantasy as well in this entire offense. Uh, the running back split was a little bit strange this week. We could kind of see both of them get mixed in for different por- uh, parts of the game where. Uh, they're both getting passing down work. They're both getting carries. But this week, Akers got all 13 carries and none, like almost none of the routes. And uh, Daryl Henderson got all of the targets. Uh, 
Akers had zero targets. Henderson had five targets. So it was just a very strange segregation of the of the offense, and I feel like it's not helping this struggling offense get any better. As teams can kind of, are going to key in on that. Uh, defenses will key in that Henderson's in there for passing downs and Akers is in there for rushing downs. We'll see. Um, ben Skoranek is the number two wide receiver on this team. I don't want to hear any more about it. Uh, it sucks that Allen Robinson is just... I, I, I still don't know. Like I, I physically can't comprehend or mentally can't comprehend what happened to Allen Robinson if he's dust or if it's just the role that he plays in in uh at wide receiver is being just schemed against by every defense in the NFL but it's it's hard to imagine that's the case um but Skronik is uh tied a rob for number 2 on the team in terms of an 88% route participation and he was uh number 3 on the team in targets uh behind Higby and Cup with eight targets for a 19% target share if anything happens to Higby or Cup, it's it's wheels up for Skoranek. It's really gross to say, but this team has to pass the ball. They still have Matt Stafford, who is not afraid to push the ball down the field and and has the capability, like has has the ability to throw t- like multiple touchdowns a game. So uh, Skoranek is an interesting an interesting play. If anything were to happen to Higby. Uh, A-Rob, only five targets, 12% target share. The just struggle continues. And for anyone that drafted him in the fourth, fifth round, cheers. Uh, Moving on to the other LA team, the Chargers. Uh, Keenan Allen is still out, and in his absence, Mike Williams and Austin Eckler continue to thrive. Um... Josh Palmer is the only other usable. Uh, Palmer and uh, Everett are the other uh, two options right now without Keenan. Uh, Palmer did run 88% of the routes tied for most on the team. He was number two in targets with an 18% target share. Um, but it's really, it's the, it's the Eckler and Mike Williams show uh, for the time being. Everett's a good weekly tight end start just for the fact that he is one of the few tight ends running routes and getting targets. Um, Palmer, uh, an interesting flex in deeper leagues, and then a deeper stash uh, at the running back position and a dynasty guy that I have stashed everywhere is Joshua Kelly. Uh, He looked very good in this game. He was getting a a decent amount of run. He got 34% of the uh, running back opportunities, uh, which is exactly what Eckler was alluding to, that he liked someone to step up and kind of take more of the load so that he could just focus on the passing part of the game and be more efficient. Uh, And it looks like Kelly is going to be that guy. Sony Michelle only had a 3% running back opportunity share, uh, and Kelly was kind of working in both phases. It wasn't just running the ball between the tackles. Uh, Kelly was getting 12, uh, had 12 routes run and had two targets. Uh, Eckler had 19 routes, so Eckler only ran seven more routes than, than Joshua Kelly this week. Uh, so it's exciting to see he's a premium handcuff if anything does happen to Eckler. Uh, you can just plug Joshua Kelly right in and it'll be uh, the same role as Eckler. Obviously not the same production, but uh, the role is there and on this offense, that's all you can ask for. Uh, talked about Vegas earlier. Uh, they're going into their bye week, so we just kind of got to see how the health of Waller, uh, Moreau, and what the suspension talk is for Devontae Adams uh, before we can kind of determine what the path forward is. Um, 
So we're just going to go ahead and chug right on along, moving into Miami. Uh, Tyreek left the game early as, uh, as well. It didn't really make the injury news because he was a full participant at practice today. I didn't find it relevant. Um, but uh, even with leaving the game early, Tyreek was still the target leader with only seven targets, though. Uh, and that was good enough for a 22% target share. With Skylar Thompson in there, I just don't see this offense being very pass-heavy. Uh, Miles Gaskin was a shocker for number two in terms of targets on this team with five. Um, I'm very hesitant to start any of the pass catchers. I, I If I would, would, it would be Tyreek Hill just for the fact that he's he, he just needs to get the ball in his hands and he can do magical things with it. Um I, I was going to say let's lean more on Mostert, who had 60% of the running back opportunities, including 18 of the 23 carries, uh, which was 78% of the carries. But like I said, he's already missing practice at the beginning of this week with a knee injury. And he is one of those guys where we've seen it season after season after season. He gets one injury and he's done. He, he's going to miss time. He's going to maybe come back for a game or two and he's he's checked right back out again. It sucks because he actually looked like he was putting together some string, like a string of games, which we knew he was going to. But uh, it looks like it might be Edmonds or Gaskin who are going to go ahead and step up and fill that role. Uh, I don't feel comfortable starting either of, the, either of them with Skyler uh, under center. So this is kind of just a, a wait-and-watch type of game for Miami if Thompson's playing. If Teddy's playing, I feel more comfortable uh, starting anyone. Uh, maybe not Miles Gaskin, just because I, I, don't, I don't know what their plan is, but uh, I, I would feel comfortable starting any, any of the other pass-catching options uh, if Teddy does manage to start. Um, Minnesota, there's nothing really actionable there. Uh, it's, it's Jefferson, it's Thielen, and Irv is a decent tight end streamer in plus matchups. Um, an interesting note is Alexander Madison is kind of creeping up uh, on Cook's opportunity share. It's not quite 70% Cook's and, uh, and, and Madison just kind of comes in for a series or two. Uh, they're, they're starting to work Madison in more and more. Uh, he ran the same amount of routes as Dalvin Cook, so... That is that is something to kind of keep an eye on. It does limit the the ceiling of uh, of Dalvin Cook. So uh, another another hit to to Cook season here. Uh, JJ and Thielen, as I said, the only two consistent options in the passing game. Uh, Irv Smith is still streamable. He's still running a a route on sixty eight percent of the team's passing um, passing plays on week five, and he had five targets. So he's not the worst tight end option. He's one of those guys that can score uh, on a weekly basis, but um, KJ Osborne can be forgotten for now in redraft. He only got five targets uh, from uh, for 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 the wide receiver, and he's he's running almost exclusively out of the slot. He has kind of taken over that role as I talked about last week, but he's just not like not producing in it. So uh, if it's a deep league, you can hold, but I'm perfectly fine churning. Uh, looking at New England, uh, I can't believe that I totally blanked uh, and didn't talk about the second most important uh, injury fallout from this. Uh, Damian Harris is out for a couple of weeks, which means it is Ramondre Steven season. Uh, he is going to be an absolute monster behind this offensive line that is built to run the ball. Uh, we'll wait to see 
if they call up any of the backs, they got uh, Kevin Harris, Pierre Strong, uh, J.J. Taylor. They have a, a couple of guys that can kind of fill in as satellite backs, but Ramondre was the pass-catching type back, so it'll be interesting to see how they do use Ramondre if he is getting 70-80% of the running back opportunities because he can do it all. He proved it in this game uh, since they had no other backs, but I want to see if they continue to feed him like that. Uh, there was no Jonu Smith this week either, which meant that uh, 98% snap share for Hunter Henry, which is is promising. It looks like Bailey Zappi is going to play again, uh, and, and Zappi locked in on two guys. It was uh, Jacoby Myers, and it was Hunter Henry. Uh, Henry ran 82% of the routes and had five targets, which was good enough for a 24% target share. Uh, but like I said, Jacoby Myers was Zappi's primary target. Uh, he had eight targets, and he absolutely ate against the even more depleted Lions uh, secondary. I think we had uh, five different DBs leave uh, at, at, at one point in the game, so uh, Lions continue to be a juicy matchup for wide receivers, and Jacoby definitely exploited that. Um the, those are the only three the only three guys that I'm considering on New England for week six. Uh, as long as Zappi is under center, it's going to be Henry, Myers, and Ramondre. Uh, moving on to New Orleans, Kamara is looking like he is back to Alvin Kamara elite status. He uh, led the team in not only carries, but also targets. Uh, that's actually... Is that true? Sorry, I just had a little bit of a, a brain fart there, but... Uh, Kamara had 23 carries and six targets. Uh, Ing Mark Ingram was the only other running back uh, with any carries, and that was nine, and he had zero targets. Uh, Taysom Hill did score three touchdowns on the ground, so you don't love to see that as, a, as an Alvin Kamara uh, fantasy owner, but uh, it's one of those things where that's not going to happen. That's not a consistent thing that's going to happen on a weekly basis where all three of the rushing touchdowns go to Taysom Hill. So you can start to see some more of that boom potential from Kamara where he just can absolutely take over and win you a week. Um, again, talked about it earlier in the injuries with Olave. Uh, Olave, Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, if they're all out, Marquez Calloway and Traquan Smith are the, the next two uh, top wide receivers with 78% out participation. Uh, they only had four and three targets between... Uh, the two of them, Traquan had the four, uh, Callaway had the three. So it's not really an exciting prospect, but in deeper leagues, if you need a, a wide receiver start uh, and and the top three guys are out, I would look their way. Um, moving on to New York, this wide receiver room is still just absolutely disgusting, uh, just plagued by injuries themselves. No Galladay, no Tony, no Wandale still. Uh, we'll look to see how they look progressing. I think I saw Wandale was a limited participant, so he's at least getting worked back in. But assuming that all three of those guys are still missing uh, and injured, Darius Slayton stepped up in Week 5. He had uh, seven targets to lead the team. He only had a 68% route participation, but still with commanding that amount of targets, you would think uh, they're, they're going to look to get him more involved and give him more routes. Uh, but in terms of fantasy starting, it's it's Barkley, and that's it. Uh, if it's a deep league and you need a wide receiver fill-in, Slayton can be that guy for you, uh, especially if, like I said, Wandale, Tony, and Galladay are all still out. Uh, Slayton can be a, a nice uh, flex Hail Mary play. 
Um, Daniel Bellinger got a rushing touchdown, but he only had three targets on 55% route participation. So I feel like if, if it's a deep league and you need a tight end streamer, sure, just because who else is in this offense to throw to? But at the same time, who else is in this offense to throw to that, and you only got three targets? That's my argument. Um, moving on to the other New York team, the New York Jets. Brees Hall is here. The Brees era is upon us. He dominated the running back room. He had a monster game that should have and could have been so much bigger than it already was. Uh, he out-carried uh, Michael Carter 18-10. to 10. He ran 12 routes to Michael Carter's 8 routes, and they both had two targets apiece. Uh, we know that Brees had the... Uh, one He had the one touchdown, and then he had two plays where he got the team down to the one. He just couldn't quite get that one extra yard to get the, the, the two touchdowns. And Michael Carter comes in, vultures the one-yard dive twice. He did that twice, and Brees already had one touchdown. He could have had a three-touchdown day on top of 100 rushing yards and 100 receiving yards on two targets. That is insane. The upside is here. It's explosive. If the Jets don't steer into this and realize that he needs to be the focal point of your offense, then I lose all hope for the Jets. Um, it seems like that was their it, it seems like that was their game plan because looking at the wide receivers, Corey Davis was the clear number one just based off of routes. He had 92% of the route participation. Behind him was uh, Elijah Moore with 79%, and then Garrett Wilson was the last out of the big three at 75%. Uh, all three of them had four targets apiece for a 19% target share, so it wasn't really one of them stepping out and like claiming the number one wide receiver role. Um, so it's a, it's another uh, wide receiver room similar to Green Bay where no one's really separating themselves from each other. Uh, so for the time being, I'm not looking to really start them. Uh, obviously, we've seen the upside from uh, Garrett Wilson. We've seen the upside from all three, really. Uh, in the past two years, uh, what they can do if given the volume. But right now, I, it seems like New York is being smart and it's it's the Brees Hall show. So if that's the case, tough luck for the wide receivers, but it's here, baby. Um, CJ Uzama came back and that just completely relegated uh, Conklin back to absolute nothingness. Uh, Uzama ran 54% of the routes, and Conklin saw his route participation just absolutely crater down to 29%. Uh, if you were riding with Conklin this uh, these past couple of weeks as a tight end streamer like I was, it's time to start streaming again. Go out, find a new guy. It's, it's not going to happen as long as Uzama's healthy. Uh, in Philadelphia, nothing really interesting. We kind of know what this offense is. You're starting your uh, Miles Sanders, A.J. Brown, Dallas Goddard, uh, and... You're, you're most likely starting Devonta Smith as well, but you're you're fully expecting those boom-bust games where he's either going to do like he did this week where he's leading the team in all receiving categories or he's going to just kind of disappear and it's going to be an A.J. Brown-Dallas Goddard game. Uh, it doesn't seem like uh, the two really go hand-in-hand hand where they both or all three have big games, so... Uh, Devonta does seem to have the lowest floor, but he also has a very high ceiling. Oh, excuse me. I needed some water there. All right. Moving right along. Uh, we're getting towards the tail end here. We got uh, some of the lesser teams and then some of the hot legs. A, a couple more good teams. 
But we're getting into uh, Pittsburgh. What interested me looking at the usage stats here was there was about a 60-40 split between Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. That could have just been because Pittsburgh was getting absolutely blown out and didn't want to risk uh, Najee getting injured. Uh, but it is something that I want to keep an eye on because uh, Warren ran 28 routes to Najee's 15. So that was one of the the selling points of Najee Harris was that he he runs the routes, he gets the targets, he run, he gets the carries, like he can do it all. But it seems like maybe he can't do it all anymore. <laughs> um, it's something that, like I said, I'm keeping an eye on. Nothing actionable yet, even if Najee goes down. This offense is, is pretty bad right now under uh, under a rookie a quarterback. He did just face the toughest defense in the entire NFL, but it doesn't look like it's getting any better in week six as he goes up against one of the other top five defenses in the NFL against Tampa. So uh, we're going to have to wait and see how this Pittsburgh offense looks outside of these this brutal stretch of games. Uh, Chase Claypool was back up to the wide receiver two chair uh, in Pickett's first full game. Uh, Deontay Johnson is still the number one, clearly. Uh, he's the only stealer that I'm uh, willing to start for the time being. Uh, maybe in, in better matchups we can see a Claypool or a Pickens uh, separate themselves from the pack and give you a fantasy uh, useful week. But for now, in week six, I'm, I'm not touching anyone other than Deontay. Uh, moving on to Seattle. I talked about it earlier. Ken Walker, if you got him, you're playing him. Congratulations. You got a stud running back uh, for, for for free, for cheap. And we're stashing DJ Dallas. Uh, the, the usage was once again consolidated between DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, uh, combining for 58% of the team's targets. Uh, and interestingly... Uh, Noah Fant has seemed to push D- uh, Disley back out the way and is uh, stepping in and being the guy that they traded for. Um, he had a 60% route participation and five targets, which was good enough for 21% of the target share. So between uh, DK Lockett and Fant, they combined for uh, 79% of the targets. And then uh, Disley was still used 43% route participation and three targets, so it's not fully fans I still don't fully trust him uh but it is something in shootout type games which Seattle is uh looking to be one of those shootout teams he he fan and Disley could both maybe be tight end flex uh, Hail Mary plays hoping for a touchdown uh looking at San Francisco uh everyone kind of wants to jump in and go grab Tevin Coleman and be excited for that but he seems like the ultimate trap uh, free agent pickup right now. Wilson dominated the opportunities in this backfield. Coleman just happened to get the two touchdowns. I'm not worried about Jeff Wilson moving forward. He still led the team in carries, targets, routes uh, in this backfield. And unless Jeff pops up on an injury report, I'm not touching Tevin Coleman. Uh, the big two remain the same on this uh, pa- in this passing game. It's Kittle and it's Debo. They combined for 50% of the targets. Ayuk is still out there. He's still running all of the routes. He's just not getting those targets. He doesn't have that connection with Jimmy. So it's tough to see. But uh, unless we see Kittle or Debo get injured, I'm still just kind of holding Ayuk and uh, holding out hope that he, he starts to see an uptick in targets here. Uh, in Tampa Bay... The surprise was uh, Cade Otten is a priority tight end ad, especially if Cameron Brate starts to miss. 
even if Breit is back this week, I think that it's Otten's job now. Uh, he had a 93% route participation and had uh, got seven targets from Tom Brady for a 14% target share. Like if if Brate's missing, this is this is the if you had Conklin and you're looking for that next guy up, it's Kate Otten. Go get him now, and uh, go get him now. And and this elite passing offense, we've seen what tight ends can do with Tom Brady, especially in the red zone. Uh, so. Auden, Auden can be that 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 Gronk light replacement for for Tom Brady. Uh, Lenny is still dominating the running back room, but uh, Rashad White is still out there running routes frequently. He had 22 routes. Um, it was still behind Lenny. Lenny ran 29, so it White is just still going to be a top handcuff and nothing more for the time being. Um, Godwin. <coughs> Godwin does seem to still be dealing with a little bit of an injury. He had a 51% route participation, so it does seem like they're trying to be a little bit more cautious now. It's tough to trust him, uh, but if they are going to have him out there for 50% of the routes and he's going to be out there, he's neutering the ceiling on all other wide receivers besides Mike Evans. Uh, so it's tough to start anyone while Godwin is kind of half in, ha- half out right now. Uh Getting down to the bottom two gross teams, we got Tennessee. Uh, without Traylon Burks uh, in there, Robert Woods is the only wide receiver that you want to even consider starting. Uh, he had a 94% route participation and eight targets, which was 35% of the target share. Uh, and an interesting stat that I saw, Dontrell Hilliard uh, ran 17 routes and got five targets, but he only had a 30% snap share. So he's one of those, he's a true satellite back, which... I didn't really peg him for, but that's how Tennessee is using him. Uh, he's out there being the route guy, and he's he's actually getting the targets, which is the surprising part. Like a 22% target share on a 30% snap share is just something you don't really see from the running back uh, of, of a team. But it's an interesting situation. If anything does happen to Henry, Hilliard steps into it in a, in a great role. He's going to still have that passing down work and that passing upside. But he's also going to have the carries to help boost his floor and make him viable. Um, but again, that's only if Henry anything happens to Henry, which doesn't seem like he's Henry's slowing down at all. He's still kings be kings. Uh, the final team that uh, on the list is Washington. We didn't get the scary Terry breakout that we were hoping for in a plus matchup, so the panic meter is all the way at ten. That thing's about to snap the fuck off. Um, he did lead the team in routes again, but it was Curtis Samuel and J.D. McKissick who out-targeted him. It, it's, it's not looking good for, for Terry. Curtis Samuel is the only wide receiver that I'm really excited about. Uh, Deami Brown is another one of these uh, trap free agent pickups where you think, oh, wow, two touchdowns, that's awesome. But he only ran 16 routes and got four targets on those 16 routes, two of them for bomb touchdowns. Don't chase the production when there's no usage behind it. If we start to see an uptick in usage, then sure. Dotson's out again, so we'll see how, how much they use Diami. But uh, it, it's Curtis Samuel, and uh, you're panicking on, on Terry McLaurin right now. Uh, for the running backs, it is an absolute just shit fest back there uh, in terms of fantasy production. 
Brian Robinson got 40% of the running back opportunities, and then there was a 30-30 split for the other 60% between Gibson and McKissick. None of them are usable if it's going to be this type of split. Uh, Washington's already talking about using Gibson as a returner, so it's just the fears that we had at the beginning of the season that we thought week one would dispel uh, for Gibson. They've reared their ugly head again. It's great to see Brian Robinson back out there and, and commanding uh, a piece of this offense after what happened, but at the same time, it just feels like they're doing a great disservice to the team and to Antonio Gibson here as he is the clear talent of this offense. But bad teams are going to be bad teams and they're going to and they stay bad teams for a reason. So uh, that is the usage for the 32 NFL teams coming out of week five. Uh, week six, we do get the bye week, so there won't be as much uh, data to comb through. Uh, but it it is an exciting time. Uh, we do have the Thursday night matchup, like I said, at Chicago and Washington. Uh, not a whole lot of excitement there. You're starting David Montgomery. Uh, you're hoping that Justin Fields and Darnell Mooney, this is the game that if you do need someone to start or stream, you plug them in and you pray uh, that the weak Washington secondary is the game that Fields uh, decides to go ahead and say, I belong in the NFL. On the Washington side again, it's it's Curtis Samuel, and yeah, it's Curtis Samuel. You almost have to start Terry McLaurin just because of where you drafted him, but I, I've reached the point where I don't feel compelled to start him until I see a turnaround. You might miss a, you might miss a blow up game, but Chicago isn't a bad defense, so if you got a better option and you feel more confident in another option, go that direction. Um, and that is all I have for the show tonight. Uh, another little bit of a long one, but uh, I just wanted to say thank you for, for listening. Thank you for going through everything with me. Uh, if you like the show, please subscribe on YouTube, like the video, follow my Twitter at Joins underscore FF, um, and go ahead and check me out on Spotify. Link has been uh, posted on my Twitter. Uh, leave a review on Spotify, do whatever you can. I, I appreciate anything and everything. And uh, thank you and have a good week, week six.